Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. We are the Satellite Sisters, or should I say the Skype Sisters, because this week it's sort of like the old day sisters. One of us is in a foreign country. Julie, it used to be that you were in a foreign country every time we did the show, but now it's me. I'm in England. Hello, sisters. Hello, Leon. Hello, Monica. Hello, Julie. Hello, Liz. <laughs> hey, Liz. Uh, so as soon as Skype is ready to pay us a fee, we will change the name of our show from Satellite Sisters to <laughs> Skype Sisters. But, uh, but until they volunteer to do that, we're sticking with our brand name. So, um, so yes, here I am. I'm in London, England today. It's Sunday evening here, and uh, I'm here for the next few days on work. Uh, but it is miraculous that we can all connect, isn't it? This is delightful. It is. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. And for free. That's and, the best part, Liz. And yeah. <laughs> That's sort of critical to our whole operation. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I thought I would fill you in a little bit on my adventure here in London uh, because I did something that was extremely out of character a few days ago. The I had to be in London on Friday to give a speech to an organization who offered to um, not only pay for me to come to England, but put me up at any hotel in London that I wanted. And Ooh. Yeah, that's a nice offer. Yes, it is. And so I really thought about it. Normally, you know, I come to London every once in a while for my normal job anyway. And I stay at a very nice but not expensive, not elaborate hotel right across the street from the office. It's all about comfort and convenience for me. But when someone says the words, whatever you want in the whole city of London town, I kind of... (laughs) I kind of got inspired. And so I said, well, how about what's the name of that place Kate Middleton stayed the night before she got married? And the person on the other end of the phone, there was a long pause. And then he said, Kensington Palace? I know, stupid American. (laughs) I was like, no, no, no. You know, the place you saw on TV when she stepped out in her dress and got into the car and there was the awning and the whole thing and where her family was there and they had the party there the night before and Prince Harry jumped off the balcony. You know, that place. I want to stay at that place. (laughs) And it's right around the corner from the palace. So it was super convenient. And uh, he said, oh, the Goring. And I was like, yes. That is it. So I just spent the last three nights at the Goring Hotel. All right, Liz, <laughs> Royal Watch. You're doing the kind of royal reporting we love here at Satellite Sisters. Not really coming into close contact with um, royals, but just going where royals have been. I guess I needed to clarify. That's right. I, I almost said as I checked in, could I be in the exact room that Pippa was in? Could you? <laughs> I just, what? What color was Pippa's room? Because my room is sort of peach. Was she in a peach room? Oh, my God. Anyway, this place, it was so old England, but in the best possible way. Between the time I walked in the front door and the time I actually checked in and was going to my room, four different men 
in tailcoats came over and introduced themselves to me. Like, Miss Dolan, <laughs> if there's anything you need while you're here. And I'm like, I just need to be in Pippa's room. Can you tell me what's <laughs> And uh, so it was, it was delightful in every way. Very silk-covered walls, very cozy. But old England also in the sense that when you go to – first of all, the Goring Hotel is owned by the Goring family. When was the last time you were actually in a hotel that you weren't there purely so you could get frequent flyer miles somewhere, right? There's no <laughs> That's true. Yeah. A, I'm not getting any Starwood points. I'm not there's no Sheraton Super Sleeper. There's none of those things that you actually think about when you travel a lot for work. It's just the Gorings and their people and the people that have worked for them now for three or four generations. So it has a touch of Downton Abbey. Which I think you would enjoy. Oh, excellent. Yes. Is it a little faulty towers, Liz? Uh, well, no, because it's totally no fault. It is the, (laughs) I mean, it's a pretty, pretty slick operation, but in a cozy kind of way. And for instance, when you go to your room and, you know, Monica, I know you're like me. When you check into a hotel, the first thing you do is read all of the material, right? Yes, I do. I love reading where to get things. I, I just love reading all the books they leave there. I even read the uh, menu, even though I know I'm never going to be able to afford room service. I like to just think about what I could order if I wanted to order room service. I know. I like to know, will they really polish my shoes for free? You know, most places yeah. will not do that. But when you're in England, there's a chance you could actually get your shoes polished by leaving them outside your door at night. Anyway, but so when I read that book, one thing they did, which I had never seen any other hotel I've ever been in my life, they had the names of all of the people that worked there. And I mean, like, all of them. Like the head housekeeper for the third floor, a little bio on her. A little bio. Oh, that's total upstairs, downstairs, Downton Abbey. That, Abbey, that's great. Totally, Leanne. And in the hallway, there are pictures of, like, the staff in 1901, and then the staff in 1921, <laughs> and then the staff in 1942. I mean, it is, but but nice. I mean, nice, not, not stuffy. Anyway, so it was... Um, my God, did they have the internet there? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering too, Monica. Yes, they did. They they had the internet. They didn't have... Or do you bu- just pass a note to the butler who <laughs> passes it to someone else? They they don't really believe in minibars, but they had excellent uh, lighting and hot towel racks and, you know, those kinds of touches that make you feel like you live in a very damp country, so they're kind of overcorrecting to, uh, <laughs> you know, everything Everything is very cozy. So I got to say, it was delightful. I can see why the Middletons liked it. I was not in the highest class of room, but I did purposely check out, like, the price list. Like, what would that be? And they, there is a suite there that's called the Royal Suite. And that would be five thousand pounds a night. So whoa, whoa! I, I assume nearly that's... nearly ten thousand oh, dollars a night. Okay, okay. I whoa. assume whoa. that's where the wedding party did their pre-wedding partying. Um, and uh, but I was in a much, much, much uh, lower level room. Anyway, it was. <laughs> it was. Who else is staying in the hotel, Liz? Is it a lot okay. of people in tweeds? Oh and... my God, Julie! The average age in there had to be eighty-seven. Uh, of my fellow guests. <laughs> they all, they everyone, like, 
But there's a restaurant. There's not a big bar scene at night there. I mean, you know, the it's one of those bars where there's a tasteful little card on each table that says, um, "The Goring is meant for relaxation." So we we would appreciate if you would turn off your mobile, let us take care of your laptop, and keep business papers out of sight. Oh, wow. so sort of, wow. sort of like a private club. That's like. exactly what it felt like. The whole place felt like it could be your country house if you were the kind of person that had <laughs> that would, okay, which of course none of us are or no, but but it was it was a little bit of that fantasy. Anyway, it was uh, it was delightful. I have to say, I really really enjoyed it. They could not have been nicer. And as you come and go, everyone's calling you by name every time you even walk through the lobby. And you're only there for three days. And they've taken the trouble to figure out who you are. Okay, so you don't get any Starwood points, but they know actually who you are. They know who you're Well, it sounds like you were the youngest person by about 40 years. So that might have been a tip-off. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, because last night I actually, I went to the theater and then I came back and just was sitting in the bar for a drink, a little after theater drink by myself. And... Uh, Everyone else there looks, looked like they had come from the opera or something. They were much more dressed up for me, obviously just in from some kind of big event, uh, wearing, like, family jewels and stuff and sipping, <laughs> things that, th- sipping things that come out of very dusty bottles. But I would, <laughs> I, I would recommend it, frankly, if you would like just a, a taste of ye old England. Uh, go for it. And it was it was really, really very nice. Um, and then just two other quick observations about being in England, about the sort of graciousness of um, the way they use the, the English language here. As I was walking around my fancy neighborhood there, which is very close to Kensington Palace. So, I can, again, I can understand why Kate found it uh, quite convenient uh, to go between Kensington Palace, Buckingham Palace, and my new hotel, the Goring. But as you walk around in that neighborhood... You know how they have, like, in London, there are, like, big avenues, and then behind them, they have little alleyways that are called Mews, M-E-W-S, and the Mews often have other little row houses in there, but those look incredibly stylish, too. It's not just the big houses on the main avenue. Well, I was, you know, naturally just trying to poke around my new neighborhood to see if I could (laughs) bump into Kate or Will or, you know... Pippa's probably in Barbados, I don't know. And um, and as you start to walk down these streets, they basically have signs that are meant to say, you know, don't, you're not allowed down here. Um, but instead, it says that there's no parking, and then it just says, no exercising of dogs here. And I thought, oh, that's just like their super nice way of saying, don't even think about walking down here, right? Don't even, because <laughs> yes. obviously- Stay they, out. Obviously, the dog, the sign is not for the benefit of the dogs. The dogs are not out <laughs> exercising, re- reading the sign, saying, oh, I'm not allowed to go down that way. No, it's really, it's meant to say to their own neighbors, no, you can't walk in here. I th- so I thought that was, that was a very nice way of saying that. And then another thing I noticed, I was in my favorite drugstore here is called Boots, which is basically just like the UK version of Rite Aid. But for some reason, it seems much cooler. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I love boots. Well, they I carry all the they, yeah, they carry all the boots stuff or some of the boots stuff at Target. Oh, they do. Oh, yes, yeah. yeah. It's got kind of a cachet about it. I love their face cream. Yeah, maybe. Well, you can bring I was some. in the I was in the face cream aisle, Julie, 
And here was the other observation I was going to make about the way the English use the English language. You know how I, what I forgot to bring is my new super expensive serum, which is called Age Defying Lotion. <laughs> so I left it home, and you need to do some age defying when you're doing a lot of traveling because you get very dehydrated. So I went down that aisle, and in that zone at Boots, I noticed in England, it's not called age defying, it's called age resisting lotion. So they can't, they're not, Americans would totally defy aging. But in England, the best they can do is resist it. That's that's, they're going to try to resist, but God knows they know they can't defy. And I just thought that was very culturally revealing. So, um, so other than that, I'm just around for a few more days. I did switch hotels today because now I had to get into a hotel because now I'm here actually for work, work, my work. So I had to get into a hotel that was my price range. <laughs> and, and normally when you check out of a hotel, hotel like that, you're tempted to like take at least the notepads that say the goring on it or, you know, those kinds yeah. of things. Not anything of any value. But somehow, Leanne, I thought, I thought they would think less of me if they came yeah, in. They would I, have. They, they yeah, would have. They totally would have. And, <laughs> and because I felt so close personally to the housekeeper, having, re- having read her bio <laughs> in, in my desk drawer, I left everything there. I just didn't even, you know, the pen, the pad, the things that are really meant for you to help yourself to. I just wanted to send a signal to them. No, I'm one of you people. I'm going to be back someday. I will be back at the Goring. Maybe, maybe when Prince Harry for you, gets married. For you. Right, for your royal wedding. Yes, there you yes. go, Liz. Whatever. So, so that's half of my report from England because half of my stay is over. And now I'm back leading my real life in a... Um, a nice, but a little, a much simpler hotel. So there you have it. Where no one knows your name. Where no one knows your name. Yes. There you have it. Yeah, that's, that's the way of the world out here. But I know that it's been a major news week in the United States. And from afar, I have been following the headlines about Penn State. And, of course, I always, Julie, you attended Penn State. You lived in State College, Pennsylvania. We've all visited you on the State College campus can you believe it? Uh, you know, it's so much shock. That's right. Both my husband and I, you know, went to Penn State for grad school. And, you know, our first son, uh, Nick, was born in State College. I mean, it. we're just, I'm just shocked and blown away. And, and here's the thing, you know, all week this has been such a, a huge story. And, you know, and you, you can't get away from it. And yet, you know, the university has not sent anything out to any of the alums, um, you know, because we're double alums. So you figure we would, you know, we one of us would get some kind of notice. If Believe me, if we had won a national football championship, they would have sent us some kind of communication. And the university hasn't sent anything out to the alums. Uh, uh, you know, I, obviously, this has been the most the most difficult, darkest week on campus. But you just, I cannot understand how it could happen. How how so many adults could have failed those children. How for years this went on, and that you know, so many people in that institution to protect that institution, you know, didn't didn't do the right thing. I mean, it is just. 
I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 it's keeping me up at night because I feel so badly for those children and those families. And then to think that this institution just up and down, the pre, you know, Joe Paterno, the president, everyone that knew about this did the wrong thing, you know, and that everyone, it all, everyone, everyone did well, the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Pardon? Everyone did yeah. the wrong thing. Everyone did. Even the students' reaction uh, when they had that demonstration mini riot in, you know, um, in downtown State College. That was the wrong thing. And I and I yeah. honestly believe that playing football on Saturday, this you know, the Penn State Nebraska game, that was the wrong thing to do. I I'm oh, I'm at you the do. Point- I I don't I, I I don't. I think you know once Paterno was out, they they were you know I I don't. I think they Well, I I just I, I just feel like the crime was so terrible that the university really needs to cuz it is a university and that the one thing that a university should be able to do is to teach and learn from this horrendous event. And but to somehow to keep playing football when that obviously was at the center of you know, that's all people were trying to do, I guess, is to just keep protecting the institution, keep playing football. I, I just honestly think it's the wrong thing. I think that, you know, it, that Penn State will never get over this unless they stop and really do some soul searching, really clean house and, and just and spend the time to figure out how, as an institution, they failed those, was it, whether it's nine boys or, you know, or more. You know it will fa- be more. You, you yeah. know it yes. will be more now. Yeah, so how they failed. Yes, right, Leon. I mean, and how yeah, they Yeah, I mean, failed. that guy was dangerous. Yeah, it was like, it was like, you know, it was, he was a very dangerous, you know, awful person. And how the university failed those children. I, I just don't know how they can go forward on anything. You know, that's without really stopping and stopping in some dramatic way. Um, that is comparable. Now, obviously, that punishes a lot of, you know, sort of innocent students and football players and, you know, and fans and alums. But I I don't know how we're ever going to get over it. That's, you know, as alum, that's how I that's what I think. So I missed some of the student reaction stuff. Oh, go ahead, Leanne. You were going to say something? Well, you know, for me, it was just so similar to what happened with the Catholic Church. And in that sense that I remember those days in 2000 going to Mass a couple of times when our priest addressed it. I mean, people were sobbing in the pews, you know. You just couldn't understand what just happened. And – but – but you didn't close down the churches. So, I, you know, I actually felt like the game yesterday and the prayer beforehand and the solemnity. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was appropriate and um, I thought that was all right. But, you know, what that assistant coach was doing when he saw that and walked away and waited 24 hours to tell Joe Paterno, I, I mean, that's shocking that a grown man could walk away from that scene. It's shocking. Shocking. Right. This was not just like, ooh, maybe, well, I get a weird feeling when I'm with that guy. No, I'm like, my gosh, what is he the saw matter? A crime. Oh, yeah, he saw a crime. And that's, that's why, Lee, unless they really, you know, unless they really stop and come to grips with everything that they've done, you know, that, uh, you know, and that everyone else in that, you know, because it's likely that other people in the, in the institution knew about this, too. I don't know. Right. You know, I just... 
I just don't see how you could ever move on from this. You could never feel, you could never watch another football game and not think of those victims. That's it. That's, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's the truth now. So unless you try to address it in some much more fundamental way than a two-minute prayer, you know, I, I just didn't do it for me. So, and I, you know, I love football and I love, you know, I love Penn Yeah, State. no, I, I just, I think they will address it. And I think it, de facto, the Penn State football program is over. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, you know, a decade or so, the, yeah. there's going to be mass exodus and, and not one single recruit is going to show up there. there. There will be a de facto end to that. I, you know, and at the beginning of the week when there was some discussion that Joe Paterno was going to be coaching, that incensed me. And yeah. that was ridiculous. So, yeah. uh, but the minute he was removed and the assistant coach was removed, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think there is a good, what, what is it? One football game you suspend two? How many do you suspend? You know, it just, I, I'm not sure for me. I'd like to see a whole season. I had like conversation to see with season. Brooks last night. Go ahead, Liam. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's then there you go. Uh, there you go. But you know, you have to. Okay. And then it gets into this is a terrible conversation. But then it gets into all the TV contracts they've signed for years and years and years. That's what happens there. But I had a conversation with Brooks last night, and uh, you know, we were going over. We've watched the news a lot, and I was like, okay, here's the rundown. If you walk in and you see something happening, first thing you do is stop it. Second thing is get the kid to safety, and third thing is pummel the guy. And then call the cops. Like, that's the protocol. You know? Here's, a teachable no, moment, Liam. No other protocol. You know? He was like, I would beat the guy into the ground. I was like, excellent. And then call 911. I mean, I don't understand where the, hmm, what should I do now comes in when you see a child being raped, for God's sakes. So, but uh, I think it's just... That's where we'll never know because now the criminal and civil charges against everybody involved, you know, that I don't think, you know, you'll never get the honest, like, well, really, what were you thinking? So that we can learn from that and, not, you know, and, you know, use it as a teachable moment. So, um, so anyway, there, you know, well, there you have it. Is it's, so, it is so incredibly rare in a case like this where you have an eyewitness to the sexual assault. You know, that's what makes this so unbelievably egregious. In most of these cases, it's a young person against an adult, and people never know what to believe. But in this case, the fact that there was an eyewitness to the sexual assault, and then nothing happened, it, it is really unbelievable. It it's just, shocking. It, it just, like, the, the, the switch you must have to override all of your natural instincts in that because all of your natural instincts would be to protect a child in that scenario. And, but if you and have pummel the, and pummel the guy into the ground, list. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the assistant coach that's on is six, five. Have you seen him? He's six, yeah. five, 300 pounds. This is not like, Ooh, I'm scared. He's a six, five, you know, grown man. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's, what's shocking to me. So that there's some switch that's been thrown in an institution like that, where you can override all of your, natural instincts to protect this larger institution, I, I, it's just impossible to believe that that could really be as widespread as clearly as it was. That's why it's much more fundamental, and that's why, you know, everybody needs to stop 
and talk and learn from from it. So I you know I you know I plan to write something to Penn State and we'll see we'll see what happens, you know. But uh you know it is a very dark day as it has been for those children and their families for a long time. So yeah, yeah. they're first. So just awful. Hey Monica, so, can I just ask you a question because on my computer screen you've bounced in and out a couple of times while we've been talking. Are you still there on the line? I am, but I, I missed some of the conversation. That's but okay. That's... I am here. I think I might have some limited connectivity today. <laughs> I am. I am here now. Okay. Because okay. you're all in, right. Well, you're thank in you you're here, Monica. Because uh, I had um, on a much much uh, lighter and different note. I had a very. Um, I, I don't know. It was. It was really a life changing. Not really, but it was a. It was a notice. Um, scotch taped to my front door. Scotch taped with four pieces of tape. So this was, they really wanted me to get this notice about a lost animal. And normally, you know, when you see something like that, I'd rip it off and, you know, I might look outside, look around once and then, you know, put the, throw the piece of paper away. But I, this flyer about this lost animal, I just, I just couldn't put it down. First of all, it's a lost parrot. Okay. Oh. And it's, okay. It's a lost parrot, which and the, they included two color photographs. One of the parrot, a beautiful portrait of him. Um, it's very clear. It's up <laughs> close. You can see his coloring. And then, just in case you were confused, they've also photocopied from some ornithological um, book or s- website the you know the the parrot because he's a Quaker parrot. Um, just, um, just so that, you know, we could properly identify, um, this animal. So we have the actual parrot and then we have his, you know, the ornithological picture of a Quaker parrot for, for, to help us find this lost pepper parrot. Now, Liz, I know you're going to get involved. You're going to get on the, on the bandstand because when you, when I tell you the parrot's name is Peewee. Okay. That's (laughs) okay. Peewee, the lost parrot. Okay. So that's the first piece of information that his name is Peewee. We also have the information that he is very sweet and friendly. Okay. So that's good. That could help. And that he is a Quaker parrot, just in case um, I thought maybe he was some other kind of parrot. You know, I, I should be on the lookout for a Quaker parrot. Now, which means the parrot won't be armed in any way. Just a nice, nice God-fearing Quaker parrot. Okay. okay. Now, here, here is here's the key fact that is really going to help out. That they they have written on this flyer. They say his call and screech are very distinct. The call is a loud and throaty quack. Quacky, and that's spelled U A K A K I. Okay, they have. Wait a minute, that- do, do that one more time. I'm not sure I heard that all the way over here in England. Quack, quacky. Okay, and that's in bolded letters, <laughs> at about sixteen or seventeen points, so that you you're really able to see that. And then he said, "What his screech is a higher pitch squeak sound, and squeak <laughs> is spelled." S K V E E T S O N. So um, uh, I think S-O-N-T. he sounds like a Swedish parent. I don't. <laughs> yes, yeah, Pee Wee, possibly, but well, he's Quaker, a Quaker parrot or a monk parakeet, which is a little confusing to me. It seems like you're either a parrot or a parakeet, but uh, they have given us both of those pieces of information, and of course, very helpful. The call and the screech. I didn't even know there was difference between a call and a screech 
But here's the sad thing. Um, Pee-wee's been missing for about a week. Oh, he wow. is, uh, he's not, he's from a neighborhood next to my neighborhood. So he, um, so they're just really extending their search to find Pee-wee. They're hoping that now that we have these color photographs and um, the very valuable information, the quack, quacky, and the sweet sound that, you know, but I'm out <laughs> looking for him. You know, every Did time Did you I look go, up in your trees? Yes. <laughs> Good place Monica. to look, Monica. Good idea. Yeah. Wouldn't you? I mean, you know, I mean, they provided so much information, but it made me think of, we did as, uh, as young children have, a, have birds from time to time as family pets, <laughs> but, um, we really weren't Arthur too. Arthur and Tweety. <laughs> Their names but, were Arthur, Arthur and Tweety. And they used to always somehow escape from their cage. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time running around the house with a towel trying to catch the birds as, as they were trying to get away from the Dolan children as far as, far as they could. But it looks like Pee Wee, you know, has, you know, very loving owners that are really searching for him. So, um, I'll be out later today looking for Pee Wee, um, and, uh, with his very binoculars. <laughs> Monica, good idea. Good idea. But I'm not sure if he's way up in the tree how I'm going to get him. But I guess, uh, I guess you just, you know, once you spot him, just call the owners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But I, there's I a guy I, in my na- na- there's a guy in my neighborhood that walks a parrot. He looks like an idiot. And um, one time the parrot got loose and was up in the tree. And he's standing like on the on the ground, and the parrot's like thirty feet up. And he's going here, parrot, parrot. Really? <laughs> I was like, oh, that looks like that's gonna work. <laughs> well, that was sympathetic. So, well, you're not on the Pee Wee search team then, Leah. <laughs> okay. Oh, remember last week I told you guys I was pitching HGTV for my TV yes. show? Yeah, how'd that go? Okay. You know what? Here's how it went. My I, my original idea. I was a little I was a little concerned when I saw that to go on the pitch I had to um, I had to have like a portfolio and qualifications. That concerned me uh, of my design work because I don't you know other than the satellite tablescaping photos uh, and the witch contest and uh, remember copy that cover of that orange cake we made. Uh, yes. That was really all I had. So I was trying to think of. You know, and even though I'm married to someone in real estate, that doesn't really qualify me. Yeah. I don't think that orange cake was going to get you a TV show. (laughs) I I wouldn't show that to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So I was trying to cook up a real estate show. And uh, it just wasn't happening for me. There was a big hole in the middle of my thought process where the show should be. You know, I was like, oh, I like to host. And here's what I can do. I just have no actual skills that I could bring to this party. So I decided, you know, what what was my end goal? I asked myself. And my end goal was really um, unchanged from last year. I just wanted to somehow get myself on the HGTV Rose Parade coverage. So that's oh. what I decided to pitch because that I actually am qualified <laughs> qualified for. 
You could be one of so, the most qualified people there for that. I mean, author of the book, Helen of Pasadena, frequent commentator on all things Pasadena. Who could they possibly have that would be better than you, Liam? Nobody. Exactly, Liz. Exactly. And I pitched it as multi-platform that I could blog, do video, and then be, you know, the sideline reporter, like the Erin Andrews of the Rose Parade coverage, you know, how she's on the sideline of college football games. I could do that for them. You know, they fly all these people in to comment on the flowers, but I could give local cover coverage. So I was very psyched when I came up with this plan because the pitch was like uh, about 18 hours away and I was just about to cancel. And then I was like, oh my gosh. So I was actually able to put together my Rose Parade qualifications. And um, it was such that the woman who ran HGTV.com was coming to Los Angeles. And so people were literally pitching like every 10 minutes slots were scheduled. So, and when I got there, it was me and like seven women in the highest leopard print shoes I have ever seen. <laughs> oh. 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 Yeah. And as we ran around the table introducing ourselves as we waited for our time slot, I appeared to be one of the few women in Los Angeles that does not design handbags. So, uh, <laughs> every Woman there, even if they were a florist, they also seem to manage to have a handbag line on the side or interior designer handbag line. <laughs> so um, I felt pretty solid about the pitch and I you know, gave my um, qualifications, you know, my background. And then I said, but I come to you today as a Rose Parade enthusiast. <laughs> Excellent. Ooh, nice. I think I think that really shocked her. I believe I was the only one pitching this particular angle. So we'll see. I did my 10-minute pitch, did my screen test, gave her the book. Uh, you know, if you would like to start a write-in campaign, I'm not against that, people. I think a little bit of pressure from the outside to the HGTV people, I think that might actually work in this case. Well, where, where would people write in to? I, yes, I, I don't know. I guess just HGTV. I don't know. It Liz, I'll, I'll get some kind of email. Get, get some I information, just... Leanne. You know we'll back you up. I, it really is okay. a good idea. And I told you, Leanne, I would watch several. I would watch that show if you were on it. That you know, <laughs> other than the float making, I told you I don't want. I, I'm not interested yeah. in learning how to make a float, but I am interested in Pasadena style, and I'd love to learn more about. What goes on with the Rose Princesses and, you know, and all that stuff. Plus, you, you have fun them. with all that material, Leon. I mean, you have a sense of humor about how these are, you know, worthwhile things. But then there's also some funny behind there, which I think is exactly the way the Rose Parade should be Liz, covered. Go ahead. That's what I pitched. That's exactly, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I pitched. And I, I think when I told them I was an honorary Rose Queen, I think that really blew them away. Because remember <laughs> last year I was named an honorary Rose Queen. Mm -hmm. So I, I was uniquely okay. qualified. You didn't so wear, you didn't wear a crown. I did not go that far, uh, but I I did do the wave on my screen test. So uh, elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist, wrist. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But if I can get an address for you guys for the write-in, uh, I will do that. I'll post that at SatelliteSisters.com.
That would be good. I think we could get some mo going behind this. I mean, good, good. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, uh, Leon. Speaking of the G, oh no, the H, the H and HGTV <laughs> house, Liz. I have something to tell you. I know you're across the pond. Um, I have a little confession to make regarding your house and band. The one that you're currently in. The one that I'm sitting in right now and uh, enjoying, Liz. You know, and you know, I enjoy sort of my unofficial, I call it my stewardship status here, okay? (laughs) You know, I do not actually own the house, and you know, I try not to take advantage of that, you know, the stewardship of the house. Yes, I I understand. I frequently restock the toilet paper, um, occasionally do yard work. I think you'd be happy to know this weekend, I even changed some batteries on some of your remote controls, which I know that you'll like. (laughs) Wow, that I would say that is like a goring family level of service. You're it is. Providing- it is. I'm, pre- I'm preparing to change a light bulb today, too. So anyways, um, uh, I just need to tell you this. You know, I, I think you know, I don't have a dishwasher in my house in Portland. Correct, right. And things kind of get backed up there, you know? Uh-oh. And, and Uh-oh. Um, you know, there's really only... So you you can really get the dishes only so clean with with hot water and soap, okay? <laughs> they just don't really, they don't really get as we I would say dish dishwasher clean. Um, and I've tried I've even bought gloves this year, rubber gloves, so I could get the water hotter. But everything has like this really dingy film on it. Mm-hmm. So the other night when I was packing. <laughs> Um, I just had this idea. (laughs) Hang on. Now somebody had a box. Some of the laughing is is blowing our volume. All of my glasses, all of my cutlery. I put it in a big box. And then when I got here on Friday night, I washed all of my dishes in your dishwasher and bed. Okay. (laughs) I think that's excellent. can I tell you, it was transformative really? as far as my glasses go. I mean, I haven't seen through those water glasses in 15 years. And I, I'm I'm willing to leave you $5 for the hot water and the dishwasher soap. And I'm thinking, you know, this isn't going to be a regular occurrence. I just want you to know that. It might be a once a year thing. Hang on a second. We lost Leanne and now she's calling back in. Hello. Okay. Who's Hello. that, Leanne? And Julie. Uh, this is, it's and Julie. Okay. You you both laughed so hard that it completely blew all of our sound and then you both <laughs> dropped off. Well so so did you okay, even, well, did I you did, hear I'll Monica finish up. telling the story? No, I'll just do you want me to I just tell Leon that, you know, I told Liz I'm not gonna do this every weekend when I come down here. But I'm thinking maybe once a year if I could just wash my dishes in your dishwasher. <laughs> it's not like i brought like crusty pans with me okay i just want you to know it was just the coffee cups and all the water glasses and all gosh all my cutlery it really looks nice you know (laughs) save me for from having to go out and buy new stuff so i'm sorry that's that's my home confession for this weekend okay well let me let me say something as long as you confess that that i'll just consider that my birthday gift to you because I feel guilty that on last week's Satellite Sisters, 
even though your birthday was this week, not one single sister even mentioned it or said, have a good birthday, Monica. So, okay. <laughs> so but Monica, I got, I got a gift in there early this. Uh, oh, I, no, I got some nice birthday wishes from, well, now Liz, I'm getting one from you. So that's good. <laughs> but Julie sent me a tube of lip gloss that lights up in the dark. It was just a, <laughs> Very unusual gift. <laughs> so I thought it had a, like the safety factor for the single girl. You know, it just it really was quite a bright light, don't you think? On that lip gloss, right. Monica. And when I said to Julie, "Oh, that'll be good," because you know, I do a lot of clubbing when I'm in Portland, <laughs> and it's dark in those clubs, and you know, you got to reapply your lip gloss six or seven times a night. So to have the light, it's really going to be great. Julie knows very unusual. Very charming, and um, I wore it to work. I wore it to work with my new haircut, girls. You got a haircut? Oh, no. Yeah, that's what, I decided, that's what I decided to do for my birthday. It wasn't actually on my birthday, but the day before, I decided I needed something, something fresh. You know, I really got it chopped. And uh, the other reason, well, you were all getting the Diane Keaton haircut. Yes. <laughs> right. So, so you... I, I was I was really encouraged by that. And the other thing is, you know, I had a hairdresser, but I hadn't she was sort of new to me and I hadn't really bonded with her. And she sent me an email last week saying, you know, sadly the salon she worked at went out of business. So I saw that as sort of an out that I didn't <laughs> yeah. have to yeah. follow her to the next salon. And so I wanted to get a new hairdresser. So I, I yelped it. Uh, um, I, I will confess I have like quite a Yelp addiction lately. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. the social network site where they review, you know, restaurants and salons and stuff like that. So anyways, I found a new hairdresser that I liked very much and they got all these great reviews on Yelp. So I went there and I just felt like I needed to bring a picture with me because, you know, Sheila brought the Diane Keaton picture. Leon brought the Diane Keaton picture. <laughs> Julie wanted Julie wanted to look like Diane Sawyer. So I I had two pictures with me of two very different women. One was Nicole Richie, and the other was Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> really? And what similarity were you seeing one, there? Two very different women. I just wanted something in between those two. But I yeah, got... There's a lot, I would say. That's a lot of options then. There, there were. As terms of their hair, I mean, have you noticed Hillary is wearing her hair a little bit longer this year? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it looks very nice. So I didn't get either the Nicole Richie or the Hillary Clinton. I got something else entirely, which it's new. Um, it's fresh. It's not really. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm still getting used to it. But um, that's what I did on my birthday. So it was actually very nice. Well, you know, the last time I went in to get my haircut, the photos that I brought this summer when I finally went for the pixie haircut, I had printed out several pixies that I liked. So my two photos were Dame Judi Dench and Halle Berry. <laughs> So, uh, much like your situation, there was a lot of opportunity for interpretation. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So, 
One other birthday note I wanted to be sure to mention. Can you guys hear me okay? Because I'm getting a little bit of bounce back. Now it's better. Yeah, it's a little bit of, yeah, better now. Oh, okay, better now. Sorry, people. This is what happens when it's transatlantic and just our low low technical skills. Free. Uh, free. <laughs> free. Um, no, one other birthday note. Many of you who are longtime listeners will remember that John Ramos, for many years, was our engineer on the radio show Satellite Sisters when we were syndicated uh, on the radio. And John was in the booth, and you often heard John on the show. In fact, whenever you heard the voice of Kira Knightley, that was really John Ramos. Um, anyway, John had a baby girl when we were working with him. Her name is Sarah. And this week, he had a baby boy born on 11, 11, 11. Isn't that amazing? I think that would be really cool to have a birthday be 11, 11, 11. I do too. Uh, and, and his mother... You'll never forget that birthday, which is good. No one ever forgets your birthday if it's 11-11-11. Right. And, well, Lee and your kids both have good birthdays because your kids are 2-2 and 6-6, which I See, enjoy. and no one ever forgets them. That's a good one. And so then, yeah, I love it because I'm not that good with birthdays, even my own children. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fun. Seven, it, it's mystical. It does seem mystical, yes. yes. So, and, you know, and they've tried for a long time to have a second child. And so it was just very thrilling to, like, check on my Facebook page the other day and see that John had already posted, I think they named the baby Lucas Leon. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yes. Which is, which is such a pretty name. Anyway. Lucas Joaquin Ramos. Beautiful. Beautiful name beautiful. for a beautiful baby boy. Yeah, so anyway, so... Uh, just one day away from your birthday, Monica. So it was a big birthday week. <laughs> People washing their dishes in celebration all over America. I'm just glad you're not driving around with a box full of dirty dishes, Monica. That's where I. That's what I. That's where I thought the story. Oh, I, I drove it over a mountain pass <laughs> to get here. But they were just dingy and I know that's what dishes. I mean when you said this is. Easier. It doesn't sound that easy. <laughs> well, the important thing is now it's done, and you feel like your dishes are cleaner. I'm glad the um, I'm glad the dishwasher is there to do that. It, while you're there, if you could watch a lot of cable TV, that would be good too. Because every time I get that monthly cable bill for that little vacation house, and I know I know how little time I spend on vacation in my vacation house, it makes me feel terrible. So please. Log a lot of hours in front of the television. <laughs> if you care. Okay, we'll do, Liz. We'll do. <laughs> Anybody have anything interesting they're doing this week? Any uh, big events coming up? Well, you uh, know, well, I'm tonight I'm. Okay, and tonight I'm throwing the cast party for Susicle. Colin has been in Susicle all weekend, Ooh. so I have uh, 40, 40 kids coming over for pizza and cast party this afternoon. Liz oh, nice. and Leanne, that is amazing. I mean, that that's, you are a heroic mother. You should maybe you should do that as a TV show. Just throwing class parties. You know, you're always doing that, Leanne. I, I really am. You know, I the good thing about kids is you just don't have to clean up that much for kids. That's that's why I say yes. 
you know, it's okay. It's okay if things don't look perfect. That's true. That's a good way to think about it. All right. Well, yeah. I I yeah. am um, over here in foggy London town doing, uh, you know, work stuff this week. Today, you know, one thing I didn't mention is Veterans Day here in England is really a huge day. And it's sort of a, there was a series of remembrance uh, ceremonies all weekend. And in fact, this morning near my old hotel, which of course was in the much fancy neighborhood, there was, a, as I was leaving the fancy neighborhood, there was a huge crowd gathering not far from the palace. And later in the day, because it's now 7 p.m. here, later in the day, a London friend of mine texted me and, and said, Oh, I see the whole royal family was at the ceremony today. Were you there? Oh. No, I was not there. Liz, so close. But, but, uh, but, but you're really, really excellent royal reporting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't really have wanted to wait around all day to see the royal family, like, march around a little bit. I was more, I was more interested in the lifestyle elements for what, what, the wedding <laughs> we, what the wedding weekend must have been like for the Middletons. You know, to sort of be in the hotel and imagine them running up and down the halls and, you know, getting their hair curled or whatever. So it was more that that I was interested in. Uh, royals, eh, they come, they go. That the House of Windsor, whatever. I, you know, just, <laughs> that, that part, that part does not interest me so much. Uh, anyway, so so that's my story. Uh, don't forget, everybody, we have uh, the apps for both Android and iPhone are working on our website at SatelliteSisters.com. There are the complete instructions about how to download them. The best place to get the Android app is at the Amazon store. Do not go to the Android uh, app store. For some reason, Google is kind of letting us down, but you can get it at the uh, at Amazon in their Android app store, so that's cool. And at, for the iPhone, you just download what's called Podcast Box, and again, all of the instructions are online. So, so that's everything from this end. If you guys don't have anything to add, we'll just say... Um, Ta-ta, or what do they say here in England? Cheerio, I think. Cheerio. <laughs> yes, just say ta-ta. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the Gorings said as I left their beautiful hotel today. Oh, I don't even remember, but I know they called me Miss Dolan. So, um, okay, you guys, have a good week. And don't forget, call your satellite system.